It's time for Friday Follies, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It is the year 2017, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives each week to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring in the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Hello there, dear listeners. As you know, our beloved narrator has passed on. As such, Rude Alchemy has been cast into a state of disarray. It is unclear how we will proceed from here. Honestly, Andy hasn't stopped crying. I went over to his house last week and found him balled up in the corner of his basement, unshaven, unwashed, and drunk off cough syrup. I asked him if he was okay, and he mumbled something through disgusting snot bubbles. I quickly detected I was not going to do anything to actually help him, so I just slowly backed away and closed the door. Poor guy. I'm sure he'll bounce back. Hmm. Did I leave a light on? Damn. He might be still laying there in the dark. Anyway, as for Tom... I really have no idea where he is. I sent him a text a few weeks ago, but got nothing back. I thought about calling, but... uh, I don't know. A phone call? Does this warrant a phone call? I'm sure he'll reach out when he's ready. And if not, eh. Anyway, we are contractually obligated to release at least one episode a month, or the podcast gods will revoke our podcasting license. Luckily, we have a lot of back stock that's gone unused. I found this bad boy at the bottom of the barrel, and since Halloween is upon us, figured this would be a good one to release. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope to have some news about future projects soon. I really... Don't know what we'll be doing, but I'm sure Rude Alchemy will live on some way, somehow. I have hope. Not a lot of hope, but some. Enough? I'll have to get back to you on that. But some is better than nothing, right? 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 There he is, our old friend. So much different since we last saw him. Thin frail, wrinkled. He's an old man now. His head rests upon a mountain of pillows that seem to enhance his wary features. His thin chest rises and falls rhythmically, yet not without labor. He is not asleep, but to keep his eyes open would expend energy that was already in too short supply. There is his wife, Margaret, old and frail herself, but with a few more good years left. She sits on a wooden chair, pulled up closely to the bedside, and holds her lover's hand. Together they are remembering the first time they met so many decades ago, and the life they've shared together since. The life that will now come to an end with his death. A death that is not unexpected, but heartbreaking nonetheless. There are his seven children, some sitting, 
others standing. Caleb and Geoffrey lean stoically against the wall, while Sarah and Rebecca silently weep on either side of their mother. Benjamin, Lucas, and Reginald were fidgeting and pacing in the small cramped room, more comfortable toiling in the fields of the family's farm. They never learned how to properly process the finer and darker aspects of human life. This is the family, his life's work, his purpose. It was fleeting but beautiful. He looked at Maggie, his faithful companion of 55 years, and spoke softly. It's time. What's that, my dear? It's time. Time for what, darling? To, to tell them the truth? The truth? We know about the witches, father. You told us already, years ago. He slowly shook his head. It took great effort, and the scratching of his shriveled and bald head on the pillows filled the room with an eerie sound of dread. His lips tightened, and his eyes shut tightly. Small tears began to slip from underneath his eyelids. Not about the witches. He wants to tell you what happened next. What do you mean? He met you and inherited this farm. He's never left. There were several years between the witches and me. He... Oh, my sweet... They don't need to know. He opened his eyes and simply stared at Maggie's scared face. Very well. Gather close, my children. My voice is not as strong as it once was. Gather close, so I may tell you the full story of your father... Jabez Flintwick. The Jabez Flintwick Halloween special is brought to you by these ungrateful brats and their uptight moms who don't want razor blades in their apples again this year. Hey, can I help it? I noticed that little fatherless snot Desmond Washington's got a thicker mustache than me. Here I was, trying to give him something nutritious to eat and a fresh, clean, recently sharpened shaving implement all at once. I know it doesn't make up for his jailbird father's prison cell bedsheet accident last Christmas, but I thought I'd at least try to be a father to somebody. To SOMEBODY! I wish someone had done that for me when I was his age. Oh, forget it. Guess it's back to heaving huge buckets full of white sugar at these tubby little f***s. Happy Halloween! It had been almost one year to the date that young Jabez fled into the wild, narrowly escaping colonial forces who sought to arrest him for treason. Having conquered his stutter, he gave a rousing speech that united colonial and British forces in the bloody battle against the undead and their brood of witches. As the sole survivor, though, no one was left to vindicate him, and he was now known as the Devil of Salem. 
He wandered aimlessly, stealing food where he could and sleeping under the stars most nights, though when the opportunity arose he was not above sneaking into an unwatched barn and sharing a pile of hay with the livestock. He was a fugitive, a vagabond, a gypsy, for all intents and purposes. And yes, on occasion, he was a dandy on demand, as needed. Though, uh, he had no love in his heart for the old swallowing of the sausage, but gosh darn it, a man had to do what a man had to do. And usually he was able to get a hot meal out of it, which almost always came after, though there were a few Johns who provided it during. Hmm. Anywho, Jabez had been living this sordid and hellish lifestyle for almost as long as he could bear. He heard rumblings of the town that he would briefly pass through that the colonists had won their war, or were about to. We're free! Our independence is won! Yeehaw! We can live our lives as we wish. Um... Did you just say yeehaw? I sure did. It's an expression of excitement and jubilee. Yeah, 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 I know what it is. It's a southern expression. Yeah? Well, you're from the north. Yeah? Well, what gives you the right to use a southern expression? You're appropriating another culture's language, and what's worse, you're giving no credit to said culture. You're trying to pass it off as your own. I was... I was just happy. No. No, you were just appropriating a culture which is like the worst thing a human being can do. It's disgusting, it's appalling, and it's evil. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're an evil, horrific, vile human being. Fuck, is this what independence looks like? Yeah, it's a lot of this kind of stuff. Damn. Yeah, you're gonna get exhausted. Oh boy, just wait till the blacks are free. Whoa, 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 blacks? What? What, that... Is that not... Jeez, can you be any more insensitive? Okay, this is just going to go on and on. Uh, let's get back to Jabez. Uh, he's, um... Oh yeah, here he is. With the war ending, Jabez wondered if he would be forgotten. But there seemed little chance of that, what with the Devil of Salem still being talked about in nearly every town he came across. He became even more dispirited. Before long, every strong branch of a tree looked like an escape. Sometimes Jabez would find himself staring at a branch and fondling his belt, wondering if the worn leather would support his weight long enough for the sweet release of death to grace him. Some nights, tonight for one, as he lay down to sleep, staring into the sky, he would slip a hand around his throat and squeeze, preparing for what had become to him an inevitable end. My boy, what are you doing? What? Who are you? The ghost of none other than John Proctor had appeared before him, and Jabez shot up from the ground. He didn't recall falling asleep, and the pressure from his neck was fresh. But could he be dreaming? You're not dreaming. Jabez gasped. <clears throat> the man could read Jabez's thoughts? Not really, but we have our ways. What? How did you... Know what you're thinking? Jabez nodded. I'm able to tune into certain frequencies. You see, I can hear him. Who? Oh, me? That's right. What's right? Oh, cool. Nothing. I'm talking to him. Who? You. Not you. Uh, Oh. Forget about it. Interaction wasn't established until later in the timeline. I know, but I'm dead, so the timeline doesn't affect me. 
You're dead? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yes, Jabez, I'm dead. So you and I can talk, but Jabez and I can't. I mean, for this, yeah. For what? It seems confusing. Maybe. Payoff could be nice, though, if we do it right. Yeah, fair enough. Do what? Poor little guy. He's about to have a little heart attack. Yeah, I'm gonna get back to it. Cool beans. Get back to what? Jabez, look at me. You remember? You remember my face? No. It can't. You're... Dead? Yes. I was dead a year ago when Thorndyke raised me, which you saw with your own eyes. What are you doing here? What do you want from me? Let's begin with what you want, Jabez. Are you happy living like this? Living like an animal? A fugitive constantly on the run? Does it please you that the thought of suicide, once as foreign a concept as any to you, now brings you comfort? What choice do I have? I'm nothing. I'm broken. Not if you do as I ask. No. I'm done with magics. With black arts. With witches and ghosts and demons. I'm done with all of it. I did as I was asked. I rose up and saved the world, and and what thanks did I get? A life of crawling on my belly and eating the dirt. I am done. You can have your life back. You can have a better life. You can have everything you have ever wanted. A life with purpose. A family. A wife. Children. Isn't that what you wanted more than anything? I can give it all to you. How? There is still evil in your blood. Your ancestors tortured and killed innocent people, including me. I am not them. I fought for good. I know. But still, further repentance is needed to purge the last of that evil from your soul. You simply need to complete your penance. Jabez was filled with a potent mixture of anxiety and anger, and while his veins pulsed with his hot blood, he did not notice the tears that were now drying on his face. He wiped them away as he took a deep breath. A return to civilization would be wonderful, but... A family? That was something he had wanted for longer than he could recall. Could there be hope? What is left? One final act, but it will require complete commitment and determination. Tell me. There is a girl. A young girl in Pennsylvania, not far outside of Philadelphia. She needs your help. What can I do for her? She is engaged in a battle for her soul. And you must free her. Jabez thought of his conversation with the ghost of John Proctor as he made the weeks-long journey to Pennsylvania. The story of the girl he was being sent to help broke his heart. At eight years old, Fanny Mae was possessed by a demon that wreaked havoc not only on her house, but on the entire town of Millsville. At first, she was caught starting several fires that blazed with an unexplained ferocity. Then she was seen whispering in men's ears who, until then, had been normal and law-abiding citizens, but suddenly were performing acts of such depravity they will not be recounted here for you, dear listeners. Most disturbingly, all 18 young girls who attended school with Fanny Mae were found dead on the same morning. They had all hung themselves in their family's backyards. Proctor had filled his head with more stories detailing the demon's effect on the town. Thankfully, the village pastor had performed the appropriate rituals and was able to confine the girl to their family's farmhouse. Many of the villagers, those who had not fled the town, kept vigil around the farmhouse. Jabez recalled the disturbing end to his conversation with John Proctor. As long as the prayer is not broken, she cannot leave the confines of the farmhouse. But they cannot keep it up forever. It is but a bandage. 
You must perform the final ritual and free the girl of this demon. The demon is the final vestiges of your standoff in Salem. Once he is expelled from this earth, you will be free, and your reward will await you. What ritual? Keep your eyes, ears, and heart open, and you will receive it. My time is ending. Do this, Jabez, and be free. We're counting on you. Who's we? The world. Jabez, if this demon is not exorcised from the girl, it will swallow the whole world. And with that, Proctor disappeared in the wind as if he were never there at all. Now, riding his tired horse in the rain, Jabez saw a man leading what appeared to be his family down the muddy road. As he started to pass, he stopped and spoke to the man, who walked with his arm around his young daughter. Excuse me, sir, but is Millsville far off? Have a death wish, do you? Excuse me? The man and his daughter stopped walking while his wife and other children kept on. The little girl never looked up at Jabez, instead keeping her head buried in her father's wet coat. Do you not know? The devil resides there now. You a friend of the devil? No righteous man is. No righteous men left there, I can tell you that. Except maybe the poor girl's pa. Uh, what's left of him, anyway? The man seemed to shudder at some unspoken memory and tightened the arm that held his daughter close to him. I've come to help. The man turned his head in the direction Jabez faced, towards Millsville. Nothing left to help. Millsville is gone. What's left is... What's left will do, then. How much farther? Half a click or so. And with that, the man turned away and began walking again. Jabez looked down the empty road that appeared no different than any other dirt path he had come across. But he noticed a new feeling spring up within. Fear, yes, but also purpose. The first thing Jabez took note of after he crested a hill and set his eyes on the town of Millsville was the smell a dirty, sulfuric scent that stung his nostrils and made his eyes water. He put a handkerchief to his mouth and nose and kicked his horse that had stubbornly stopped, apparently having also experienced the assault on its olfactory sense. He made his way to what seemed like the center of the small village, but not a person was seen. He hadn't the faintest idea where to go or what to do. Hello? Anyone here? His only answer was a low rumbling of distant thunder. I've come to help. Go back! Jabez spun his horse around looking for the source of the voice, but he saw no one. Go back! I've come to help. Where is the girl? Shh! Show yourself, boy. I'm a friend. After a long moment with no response, Jabez decided that whoever it was would be of no help to him. He was here for one thing. He decided to look for the farmhouse himself. But as his horse started to make its way down the street, he saw movement out of the corner of his eye. A small boy had started to run down the road adjacent to him. He turned his horse. Betty Laugh, by the way. The horse's name is Betty Laugh. I, I kept waiting for an appropriate time to inform you of the horse's name, but it never came up. So, um, yeah, I'm just telling you now. You know, I was really happy about the horse's name when they told me earlier, but I... I don't see, uh, I don't see it anywhere here in the script. I, I actually started to think it was a joke the writers made up at my expense. But you know what? Joke's on them. Because I'm telling you the name. Anyway, Jabez bolted down the street on the top of Belly Laugh. 
and just saw the boy sprint through the wood door at the end. Jabez jumped off the horse and slammed through the door himself. Once inside, he looked around and was astonished by what he saw. At least a dozen pale-faced and frightened men, women, and children were looking at him. Who are you? He was a tall man, young, but not a child. He put himself in the center of the room and squared off with Jabez, who glanced around and saw women with only gray-haired old men and some little boys, including the one he chased in here. It seemed Brian was the de facto man in charge. I was following that when he told me to leave. As you should. My name is Jabez Flintwick. I come from Massachusetts. I heard about your plight and... I'm here to help. You can't help. What's your name? Brian. You're too young to be her father. I'm her brother. Her oldest. Are they all family? Mostly. Listen. Is this all that's left in the town? Yes. What's the boy's name? I'm Hank. Hi, Hank. Why did you want me to go back? Because you'll get hurt. No one's getting hurt. No one else. I don't know who you think you are, but this isn't... Who's keeping vigil? Excuse me? I was told she's confined to the farmhouse as long as the prayer isn't broken. So if you're all here, who's keeping vigil? She's confined, but she can still speak through the windows. The walls, even. If you can hear her, if you listen... After a while, they couldn't stand it. We... We couldn't stand it. So she's loose. No, she's still in the house. There's one person left who hasn't stopped praying. Who? Her father. Jabez asked Brian to take him to his father, but he refused. He turned to look at the small group of people huddled around a table, trying to avoid the many leaks dripping from the ceiling. I'm not a coward, but I can't leave them alone. We won't leave the town. That much has been decided. If we die here, then we die here. But they won't go back to that house. I understand. Tell me where it is. Brian directed Jabez to the house that sat at the edge of the village. He rode Bellylaff up the hill in the misty rain, seeing the fog begin to settle lower in the sky, knowing that what little sunlight that was able to break through the dirty overcast of clouds would soon be gone with the coming of night. He wondered what he would do when he came to the house. What was expected of him? How could he, of all people, fight a demon? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jabez approached Fanny May and Brian's father. The man was kneeling in the mud before the large house. His dirty hands clasped together and crusted with old and fresh filth. His clothes were but rags, tattered and hanging off of his body in shreds. His beard and hair were knotted and mangy. Jabez got to the ground and walked to the front of the man whose bloodshot eyes never lost focus of the house. He gave no indication that he saw or even knew Jabez was standing in front of him. James? Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning. Keep praying, old man. I'm going to go get your daughter. Jabez stood and turned to the house. Thunder roared louder than he had ever heard before. Lightning cracked directly above the house, and a bolt struck a large oak tree on the side yard. Flames immediately leapt from its sleeves. Hell was breaking loose, Jabez thought. But as he walked toward the house and began to ascend the front steps, as the winds blew harder behind him, causing the very foundation of that house to shudder, as the thunder boomed so loud that the glass windows shattered, Jabez did not have any fear. Only a steely resolve that he was exactly where he was meant to be. 
Once inside the house, a calm fell over everything. The storm came to a sudden halt. Jabez peered through one of the broken windows and thought he even saw the sun. The house itself looked in no disarray at all, perfectly clean and kept up. Suddenly, he heard a sound from upstairs. A pleasant sound. A little girl laughing, giggling, playful. Jabez began walking up the stairs, cautiously. Fanny Mae? Sweetheart? You up here? The giggling continued. Lightly, Jabez noticed it coming from a room down the hall. As he approached a closed door, he heard whispering, unintelligible at first, but then... He's coming. (laughs) Sweetie? Can I come in? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Fanny Mae? My name is Jabez... My name is Jim. My name is Jim. Flint. My name is Flintwick. Flintwick. Flintwick! 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 The demon's voice shook the house and the very ground underneath it. Jabez felt his bones shudder and his soul ache. His breath escaped him and he fell backwards, tumbling down the stairs, slamming his back into the ground below. He strained his neck to look back up the stairs, and when he did, he saw the outline of a little girl, silhouetted against the moonlight, now shining through the window frame. Your... You don't... go... away! Keep your eyes, ears, and heart open. That's what Proctor had told him. Jabez concentrated and tried to feel some sense of direction. He was at a loss. Nothing was coming to him. How was he to fight this thing? (laughs) Oh, Jabez, you don't belong here. Don't you know that? May the power of Christ compel! (laughs) Now you're just embarrassing yourself, Jabez. Can't you see? Don't you understand? Momentarily confused, Jabez put his head back on the ground and tried to shake off the mysterious questions. Fear began to overtake his sense of purpose. His heart quickened and a flash of nausea rolled over him. He turned over and pushed himself up. Once on his knees, he saw Fanny Mae standing directly before him. Clearly, she could move as freely and quickly as she wished, inside the house at least. (laughs) Don't you know what you're doing? Why you're here? I'm here to stop you. To exorcise you from this child and expel you from this earthly realm. With Jabez on his knees, he was speaking to the girl eye to eye. He could see her fully now. She was beautiful. The very picture of innocence and purity. Her white dress flowed effortlessly down her short body and her straight blonde hair draped perfectly still over her shoulders. Not a single strand out of place. Now she leaned closer to him almost nose to nose, and with a small smile, creasing her lips, asked the only question that mattered. How? I... 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 Think about it, darling. Why are you here? Proctor sent... John Proctor. The dead man you saw in the woods as you practiced strangling yourself? I... I... 
I... <laughs> we have a plan. We have such a perfect plan. But you... You got in the way. Now the fear began to grip Jabez in a way that he had never experienced before. What was happening? His mind raced, his heart pounded. Whatever courage he had felt earlier, whatever sense of purpose he experienced on his ride up to this house was entirely gone. Not even a whiff of it remained. He was staring into the eyes of the demon. He realized with a sudden sense of dread that it was not Proctor who directed him, but this demon that lured him here, and he was trapped. And now, we're going to torture you forever. The little girl began to circle Jabez as he gasped for breath. He was in the throes of a panic attack. Anxiety and fear infected every inch of his soul. <laughs> what is it you want most of all, Jabez? What was it John promised you? A life? A family? <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're going to give you. My sweet, sweet... Sweet, sweet Jabez. Look at this room. How sweet is it to see these smiling faces before you? Mother, what are you talking about? What's happened here? Jabez Flintwick stared up from his pillow with the family he had loved more than anything else in this world. He looked at each of his children and recalled their respective births and was reminded of the joy and love each had brought him throughout their lives. Had always somehow known it was just... A mirage, my dear. All of you, you're just illusions. With those words, each of his seven children was suddenly engulfed in flames. Their screams pierced Jabez's ears and his heart. He watched them suffer. He watched them flail about in agony, bumping into the walls, bumping into each other. He could smell them as their burning flesh blackened over, as their tongues and eyes melted and leaked from their skulls. And he watched as each fell to the floor, as nothing more than a charred remain of the child he so loved. The walls around him were afire as well. The floor was catching, and soon the sheets of the bed would catch, just as they always did, each time. He knew that in less than a minute, the fire would take him, and he'd feel the pain of his own flesh searing. He'd choke on the smoke, and the last thing he'd see would be her, Maggie, still sitting in the chair the flames dancing around her and licking her flesh but never quite catching. He'd watch her lean forward till she was nearly nose to nose. He'd hear her whisper, Let's go again, shall we? He'd pray. He always did at this part. He'd pray to a god that could not hear him that this time would be the last time, that this hellish cycle of love and loss would not be repeated, that he would be spared another bout of insufferable torment. But then he'd open his eyes and meet Maggie for the first time. There would be something familiar about her, something he couldn't quite place. And over the next fifty-five years, as they fell in love more and more and created life and family together, it would always nag at him, somewhere in the darkest and most forgotten recesses of his mind. And only on the rarest of occasions would he allow himself to wonder what the familiarity was, never coming up with an answer, of course, until one day, when he laid on his deathbed, telling his family that it was time for him to go, 
time to move on to the next life, when suddenly he wouldn't see Maggie anymore. He'd see Fanny May, and he'd know what was to come, as she told his beloved children that it was time they heard the story of Jabez Flintwick. Jabez Flintwick Halloween Special is brought to you by my costume this year. Guess what it is? It's an extremely realistic, perfect replica of your current lover. The really fun part is you won't know it's me until we're both finished and I pull off the mask and spit a mouthful of rubbery all-day mask snot straight into your eye. Happy Halloween! Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. The Jabez Flitwick Halloween Special, written by Mr. Hodgkin and edited by resident sound designer Mr. Michael Hahn. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. To support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content, including blooper reels from every season, visit rudealchemy.com slash support. And finally, good news everyone, I'm going trick-or-treating with Brendan this year. Well, not with him exactly, the courts wouldn't allow that, but if I keep my costume on and don't get too close, I ought to be able to see him just having fun, you know? Just being a normal kid. I just love him, you know? He's my little scooter. That's what I used to call him, you know? Scooter? Because... Before he could crawl, he'd just sort of scoot around in the funniest way. I love you, Scooter. Oh, I also might kill Denise tonight. Haven't decided yet. Happy Halloween! Buongiorno. I am Flaudio. And I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape, and the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss. 
where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by the Amigos.